Why were you thumping around on the stairs, Cat Cat? <coughs> Do you feel, is Luna out or is Minerva outside? And you feel happy? You want to dance? You want some happy feet? You feel like a kitten? Oh my gosh. Hey, flush the toilet! Too busy to flush! Hey everybody, thanks for joining us on Too Busy to Flush. I'm JR. And I'm Molly. And this is our little effort to invite you into our homes and share life with you in a world where people are weird and hard as we parent uh, four children, ages 12, almost 13, almost 11, 8, and 5. And um, we live a random life where Molly takes pictures. Selfies with cats. Selfies with cats. Selfies. Sorry, guys. I'm literally just taking a selfie with the cat that was thumping around the stairs. And Will JR is trying to do an introduction. Sorry. Carry on. No, it's totally cool. That was my intro. You guys, um, woke up this morning and it turned into winter. Uh, Most of you who listen to us uh, don't live in Montana. I don't expect. Except uh, for Pete, who lives in Whitefish. (laughs) It's always cold up there. Um, anyway, our our, sea, our spring and fall tend to be very much um, uh, up and down. Like, we'll have huge temperature swings. But the trend in the spring is temperature rising. Trend in the fall is temperature dropping. But the, the swings are usually, um, you know, they can be big swings. It can be 70 in the day down to 40 at night or sometimes even the high 30s. Well, it plummeted. I think it's at 17 degrees outside right on now. On Friday morning, less than a week ago, <laughs> Friday afternoon, the girls and I joined a friend and her daughters for a walk on the rims, which is the north end of Billings's, if you haven't been here, is rimmed by some giant sandstone cliffs. And there's walkways the city just finished redoing, actually. You can walk or bike ride across the entire thing, which is probably, what, I don't know, 15 miles uh, across the entire thing. Well, we took a walk. We were wearing shorts and t-shirts on Friday. I think we still were on Sunday. The low tonight is 14, (laughs) and the low tomorrow is 6. The low on Friday is 4. This is like January Arctic temperatures, not... Halloween. I mean, it's common to have to wear your snowsuit under your Halloween costume. What was that squealing? That was me blowing through my my nose. Oh. It, it's common to have to wear your snowsuit under your Halloween costume if you're a Montana kid. Or as Tracy told me, she's like, I just went as a skier every year. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, also, I'm sure your parents appreciated that. <laughs> yeah, really. But... Um, Anyway, it, this is this is a little bit unusual for the not even the, yet the last week of October, and where. Yeah, I got him from the cabin yesterday, and uh, was it yesterday. It was yesterday. Immediately got started um, helping Molly winterize, knowing tons of snow are coming. And part of that process is doing uh, pulling out the circulation pump on the floor loop in my van. Um, it I had a slow seep and it dripped into that electrical connection. I think fried the may may have fried the circulation pump, but I was also pretty low on on coolant. So I had to do all that yesterday. Then I was picking up the yard, thinking we might have to plow or snow or snow plow or something. So all this stuff was laying out. Just ran around all day yesterday. 
super tired trying to get everything quote unquote winterized, winterized. as it were um, and I'm headed back up to the cabin uh, a bit tomorrow the good news is though guys opening weekend was good to us I was able to tag two cow elk on opening amazing. day which is phenomenal I was totally uh, skunked last year year before I got one year before I got two and the year before that I got two so um, it's pretty cool to be able to have your I mean we've got I'm really thankful that we have full freezer a full freezer for a year um, so I'm super stoked about that I've got some friends I'm gonna go up with we're gonna try to get them elk I do have a third tag so you know that'll be your dad hasn't gotten any gotten uh, elk yet and um, my parents obviously live here too so to be able to throw down a third would give us a lot of flex for generosity yep. should be kind of cool. cool although I think your dad still has like a whole half an elk left and then From his buddy uh, another buddy of ours Dale he got two elk um, and he does he, there's no way he and his wife are going to go through two elk so yeah. at least one of those is going to be split among other people, people which is pretty yeah. cool yeah it is you know I was uh, so in the funny convergence of going into the character qualities required for things like hunting we the girls and I well you and Titus because Titus Titus is now at a phase where he JR took Titus out hunting on Thursday night where the in Montana probably elsewhere there's what's called a youth hunt so younger hunters are able to go out two days before other hunters under the age of 16 oh, okay and so and so Titus went out a friend very generously let them sit in his tree stand uh along the Yellowstone River for what did you do like four hours on Thursday night yeah and then, and then we then got like up two hours super early left in the, the morning. house at five or six. three hours on Saturday morning on Sat- Friday and morning. we saw plenty of of white-tailed doe and uh yearlings but the property owner doesn't really like us shooting the does because the does propagate the herd. He's okay with us shooting bucks because yeah. one buck can take care of the whole herd. We didn't see any bucks. Yeah. So anyway, um, Titus is getting pretty discouraged because this is the second year that he's been able to hunt and has had a deer tag and hasn't been able to get anything. The previous two years, you guys, he's missed. Yes. He hasn't had a t- chance yet to take a shot this year. So. So we'll so there. I but just thinking about his getting discouraged but you don't you don't give up you don't quit and last year you know jr was up so many weekends long weekends basically we did not have him at home for more than a couple days in a row all hunting season and then that rolled immediately into ski season and jr was ski patrolling as uh on a paid basis and was up there so we didn't have jr at home from for more than like a four-day stint for basically early October until, or mid-October, I guess, until April, which was exhausting. But the hunting season, you know, you're going up, there were wolves around the cabin, remembered, the the Mm, first couple of weekends, and so the elk had made themselves scarce. But then, it was it in January where the rancher called, and he lives over the mountain from us, and was like the elk there are elk herds that have come down for the winter and they're eating my hay they're out there every single morning eating my hay jr goes out two mornings (laughs) drives three hours 
wee hours of the morning, there are no elk eating this rancher's hay. Probably the two mornings of the entire winter, the elk weren't there. Where the two mornings Jr. Uh, drove out, but there, I, I, I was telling the girls, reminding them of this requisite stick to itiveness. Like you don't, you don't just give up. You persevere because we went to uh, my parents' next door neighbor. Their daughter is a senior in high school, and she's on a volleyball team that is undefeated. They're nearing the end of their season. They're moving into the postseason playoffs, whatnot. This group of girls, this is really interesting, Jared. They've been playing club volleyball together since they were in elementary school. This basically the the eight girls who are all seniors. How now, did how did how did this club know all these girls were going to be tall? It, well, that's, that's a trick, right? So, I mean, one of the crazy things, they're, they're very good. They know each other very well. They The coach is actually the mom of one of the girls. And she was their coach when they were in elementary school playing volleyball together. Wow. And there's a pair of sisters. One of the sisters, there's only two girls on the whole team who are not seniors. And one of them is a pair of sisters. But one sister is a senior and the other is not. And these girls are like... Six three and six one, which is crazy. There's two other girls over six foot on this team, and so my parents' next door neighbor, who is five nine, which is not short for a woman, is too short to play in the front row on this team because they have all of these absolute giant women in the front, and the the dad came over and was chatting with us before the game started and. He was like, I don't want to sound cocky, and I don't want to jinx us, but this is going to be a short game. <laughs> Partly because they were playing a smaller school, and I was trying to explain to the girls, smaller school means fewer, a smaller talent pool, fewer girls to choose from, so these two teams would not compete against each other for a state championship, because it's not fair, generally, to put a smaller school against a bigger school. It's not apples to apples, but... You know, in this case, because Montana is so small, you do play regular season games against uh, in other across divisions. And although I was telling the mom, some of those those smaller like out in the country schools, I played basketball at my high school, which is the crosstown rival for the one we were just cheering for. And we would get our butts kicked by these little country schools. Because these girls spent all summer schlepping hay bales. Like, we would have to go to the gym and lift weights. And they were just lifting far more than we were lifting in the gym a couple times a week, all day, all summer, doing some sort of manual, heavy lifting, manual labor. And then they were playing against their brothers, uh, you know, just pickup games. So they're playing skill-wise against people who are bigger and stronger and faster on a regular basis. And... They've all, they're a small, small town. They've been playing together for their whole lives, too. They would, sometimes we would beat them, and sometimes they would crush us because they were just stronger and more coordinated and played against guys all the time. Anyway, so they, all that to say, it was a very fun volleyball game. They did win very resoundingly. And Elise turns to me right as this, they, I think, so volleyball these days, it's changed a lot since we were in high school. They now play to 25, and it's continuous scoring. You don't have to have possession of the ball. 
in order to score a point, like every point play, every time the ball is played, oh, it's really? a point. Yeah. So it moves it's much. It moves much. Faster. It moves more quickly. But it, when I was in high school, it went to fifteen, and now it goes to twenty-five. Yeah. Uh, but. But you don't have to wait. There's no more. Th- there's no such thing as a side yeah, out. Yeah. So anymore. they they won. It is it is still called a side out when you gain possession for serving. But they they won the but, match. Yeah. If you're not if you're receiving if you're serving. receiving the serve. You, you can could still, still win a score. Exactly. And they actually won the match receiving the serve. There's what if all, that was a, is that like a national rule change? I don't know. But but so so Somebody our parents, our One parents of our next door neighbor actually know. played so so Kim played college volleyball. And she was telling me, Man, so many rules are different. There's one person this is way off topic, but it's very interesting to me. There's one person who wears a white jersey. And everybody else is wearing a color jersey. And that one person is a defensive specialist. And she can sub in and out without going through the ref for the back row only. Huh. So she, I, I don't quite understand exactly what the strategy is there. But each team had a girl in a white jersey who only subbed in and out of the back row without having to go through the ref. Interesting. Anyway, yeah. So there's, there's a number of rule changes <clears throat> like that. Anyway, it's like... 23 to maybe eight and Elise turns to me and goes I don't know why the other team just doesn't give up and you know there's no chance of them coming Mm. back and I was like so so you're basically right but it's it's actually a matter of character to not give up it doesn't matter in sports how far down you are you don't just give up you don't just give up all the points you don't just hand it over to them you don't just walk off the field and i don't know as i was thinking about this there's there's like this moral obligation to not just give up to you you have to keep trying until the very final and also there's amazing stories of underdogs right where you didn't get you were down 24 to 2 and somehow miraculously you scored i assume they still have to win by two but we never had that and they do still have to win by two like it's the best of five um but uh anyway um you know just and i was telling him you know just like your dad you know, hunted all last year without getting a single elk. Like, it was exhausting for him to go out all of this time. It was deeply discouraging. But but you don't just give up, you know. I mean, I when I was out shooting, so you know, the month, two months leading up to uh, hunting season, I like to go out to the range and just once a week put about a half a dozen shots downrange, and uh, just to remember my trigger control and, and get a feel for the gun again. Because, you know, you know, it's the only time you ever shoot your hunting rifle. And because um, I don't, I'm, if you shoot once, if you don't hunt year round, and I don't hunt year round. Well, I'd, I'd like to take Titus out with me too, and we got a little bit of a late start. And he was working on uh, paper because he can't quite shoot the gongs, the steel gongs out at 300 and 400 yards. So he was just shooting on paper, and his, his groupings weren't that great. And by grouping, I'm, for those of you that don't shoot, I mean, you want to essentially, if it's you're a perfect shot, which nobody ever is, you get the bullet in the same hole every single time where you want it, where you're aiming. So if you're aiming at the center of the bullseye, your bullet's going to go there. And your grouping is generally a group of three or four or five shots that um, you want to be within 
kind of essentially in this case a kill zone. Um, and his groupings were way off. They weren't very tight. They were kind of spread out. He had a couple jerking motions. A couple of them were way off in the middle of nowhere. And he was really pretty frustrated, but he kept with it. And he, he did okay at 100 yards. So I'm like, well, let's shoot 200. So that's when his groupings started to fall apart was at the longer ranges. And he was just really discouraged the last time we went up. And, um, and so I said, well, let me see your gun. And I looked, but he didn't, he didn't give, he wasn't giving up. I was like, you've got it. You're not going to get better unless you actually get out and shoot. Mm-hmm. Cause there's obviously, so I grab his gun. I th- get ready to throw a couple down range and I couldn't really see the target. <laughs> I saw like a white piece of paper down there and I'm like, is that it? I'm looking at the scope. I'm zoomed all the way in. It's focused. What in the world? And I've got a really nice scope on my rifle. It's a 15 by zoom. And Titus is a 12 by zoom. It should be more than adequate to get to 200 yards. Just couldn't see anything. And I said, Tito, I'm proud that you're even on paper right now. <laughs> but let me give you let me give you my rifle. And I have a much bigger caliber. So it kicks. It's got a lot more recoil in the shoulder. So let me give you my rifle. And let's see if you can tight, get those tight groupings in there. And he, he did. He could see. He's like, whoa, this scope is nice. I'm like, yeah, thanks. <laughs> you know? Um and he had some some decent groupings, like enough that I wasn't worried about him at 100 yards. Hmm. Um, With a gun, but the scope yeah, was decent. But the 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 shoulder, the recoil hurt, mm. and he just he gritted it out and made it happen. So I was I was impressed that he, you know, like for a long time. If you guys have been following the show for a long time, you've probably heard us mention more than once that sometimes Titus our oldest, um, just kind of expects to be perfect at things the moment he tries. And if he's not, he just gives up and moves on. He's a firstborn. Yeah. So he's like, well, I'm not any good at it. Well, I should be good at it. Or he gets angry because he's not good at it. And while we were up there as well, kind of going along in the same lines, um, about fortitude and character and getting up in the morning and and getting (laughs) out and doing it, um, we, we watched a couple of movies. And one of the movies we watched was the 1995... Keanu Reeves film The Replacements and it's a fictional story about a pro football team that uh, a pro football league that goes on strike all the pro players go on strike so to keep the league going all the owners go out and find replacement players some some teams you know go and hire full semi-pro football players and this particular coach played by Gene Hackman um, the great Gene Hackman hired a bunch of no-names you know, he was brought in because the coaches quit too. Everybody, the cheerleaders were on strike, the coaches were on strike, everybody's on strike. So anyway, he gets comes in and he brings in a bunch of these no names, and the quarterback is Keanu Reeves. And is this a comedy? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it is, and it's a Keanu Reeves in a comedy. It's a fun. It's a really. It's a comedy, but at the same time, it's almost like if if uh, Rudy was had some more comedic elements to it, right? Just a huh. funny cast of characters. Um, Really, you know, really heartfelt stories between uh, the coach and his players and Keanu Reeves and his love interest and a lot of really good drama. But he talked about having the coach kept saying you have heart to finish this game. And these guys were getting just pulverized and they stuck it out. They stuck out the, you know, they, they made the effort. They didn't just roll over and quit and die. And so even seeing it on TV, you know, seeing it in those movies is a good, uh, just kind of a good character builder you know mm-hmm. it's it like is. the s- stories are really powerful it's like yeah. we're, we're not gonna we're not gonna get an elk if we just sit here at the cabin like we've got to be out there mm-hmm. even if it's super cold like we're just not gonna get anything like that's part of the suffering 
of it. Um, <laughs> one of the companies, one of the one of the hunting companies, apparel companies, and equipment companies that I really like. They, uh, there, you see their magazine ads in all the magazines. It's like, uh, what is it? Um, uh, stay longer, go farther, stay out longer. You know, because a lot of times you don't want to go that far because you're like, well, I got to get back. I'm really uncomfortable. It's cold out. If I shoot you don't want to stay out longer. Out, yeah, you don't want to stay out longer because it's, you know, it's really it's really dark out. You got a long walk back. Yeah, yeah. So like, well, I don't see anything. I'm going to cut it early. But that's when. Like right as the sun sets is when the animals come out. It's just the way it works, you know. So you want to stay out, and you got to have some perseverance to do that. And it's hard. It's really hard. I almost got a um, a bear on Sunday. I sat on the gut piles from the two elk I shot, but that stinker just would not give me a clean shot. I was really kind of bummed about that because I probably won't see him now because they're all going to go hibernate. So such is life. Bears don't actually hibernate. There's another word. I can't remember what it is. They but, sleep a lot. Well, yeah, they sleep a lot, but they don't sleep straight through. Uh, I can't remember. I'm going to Google it really quickly. Bears don't hibernate. And let's see what it says. Uh, no, that's not. All right. I'll have to look it up later. If anybody out there knows, there's a word for what the bears do that's not technically hibernating. Uh, and I, I'm not immediately getting that answer for you all. Well, regardless, yep, it's really cold now. So if I was a bear, it I'd be is, hiding in a hole. It, it will probably be below zero up where you are this weekend, don't you think? Yeah, could be. We're a couple thousand. We're a, well, a couple, not a couple thousand. We're a little bit higher than Ringling, Montana, which is where we get our weather, where we take our weather forecast before mm-hmm. we head out. We're typically ten degrees colder than Ringling, and it's, so it's going to be a low of three or a low of minus four, no minus three or minus four. Will so Saul is one and two on Saturday and yeah, Sunday. Yeah, you want to look at Ringling; it's a little bit colder. Okay, what day are you coming home? I don't know yet. Okay, already definitely for sure th- Monday. Depending on what we see, I'll be coming home Monday. Okay. Um, I'm gosh, kind of feel bad for my buddy Trevor. He's not getting as much hunting time as he needs to, and he's asking if I could stay till Tuesday. But so, you have to help your way. But I'm not going up again for another. Kids to the. Yeah, at that point, I'm not going up to the cabin again for two weeks or maybe even close to Thanksgiving. Yep, because so. we're going to Denver. Denver, and then I'm sticking around to help with the ski patrol test for all the new ski patrol trainees. That weekend. That'll be fun. Golly, life is just flying by us. I know. I, all the gray hairs. I've got arthritis in my knuckles. I'm getting old. Huh. Yeah, kids are going okay, off to college. I do have you're gray getting married. Hairs, so your kids are not going are we going to be doing this when our kids yet? are going off to college and getting married? I don't know. I don't know. Um, let's see. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't care. Let's move on. Well, no. Um, so I made pumpkin chili tonight, you guys. I feel like I've shared this recipe before, but Mel's Kitchen Cafe pumpkin chili. She uses turkey. I use ground elk because that's what our freezers are full of, but it is... I don't really like pumpkin things, and I really like this pumpkin chili. It just makes like a silky smooth kind of sauce base for it. So I am shooting JR that recipe right now, if you're Sweet. looking for something to make pre-Halloween, that would be a great one. It's delicious, you guys, especially with some tortilla chips. 
Ooh, nom 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 nom. All yep. day. So anyway, check out check out Mel's Kitchen Cafe, black bean and pumpkin chili recipe. Um, the main thing that I have been contemplating for the last couple days is. Uh, our pastor's sermon on Sunday. It was, was so good. Really good. JR was at the cabin. I was like, you absolutely must give this a listen. And he did on the way home. And I don't have the notes in front of me, so I can't. That was the dog. And he just got slobber on my foot. Got an itchy ear or something. Uh, so our pastor is preaching through the book of Zechariah right now, which. Uh, I mean, I know Zechariah is a minor prophet, and he's right in this time of the return to Jerusalem. But otherwise, I could, if you would have asked me what's Zechariah about, I would have been like, hey, he's a minor prophet. I don't know, probably some warnings to God's people and some judgment and some promises of hope. Like, isn't that what all the minor prophets do? But uh, I've really been loving this series because it's he's bringing to life... Uh, the the historical context of Zechariah, which is around the time of Zerubbabel, or actually a little bit after Zerubbabel has tried to rebuild the temple and then got shut down. So there's the, and this sermon actually referenced Zerubbabel. So God's people have been in exile, they've been sent back, and they're just in a city that's in absolute ruins, they're scratching out a living from from the desert. They are economically vulnerable. They're so they're very poor. They're not killing it re, with restarting here. They've tried to rebuild walls and temples, and they're like knee high. And so they have zero protection from neighbors who don't want them back. And God is. The, the theme that our pastor is pointing out in Zechariah is return to me and I will return to you. And you return to the Lord by, by hearing his word, by listening to his word. And then in this uh, the sermon this Sunday, he was talking about Zechariah's vision. I can't remember. Is it his fifth night vision? Fifth. The fifth. Okay. So, and I... I hope I'm not the only one here who gets these kind of apocalyptic visions, Daniel and Ezekiel and Revelation and Zechariah, and you just kind of gloss over it because it's weird and confusing. And maybe if you have the time, you read the notes in your study Bible to help you understand. But our pastor is very... Uh, colloquial in in a good way where he so in this case he's cracking up because Zechariah is shown these things and then the angel of the Lord goes do you know what this means and he's like no I don't know what this means (laughs) and it happened several times and you're like yeah that's really funny because he was just shown this really wild thing and of course he doesn't know what it means and then the angel but the angel asks anyway (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just you know, I don't know. Just kind of some. He made he made a comment that was just whoa. He goes, and he was he was moving into his takeaways, and the, and this is where the, the sermon kind of hit the climax for me. Was he said, do you do you require what kind of what what do you need to have faith? Do you require the same? 
evidence evidence as a non-believer that's easy and i was like that's a good one yeah i was thinking thinking of um of thomas when jesus says here's your proof touch touch my nail print you know my hands touch my side blessed are those who believe who have not seen when when he made that comment that the takeaway for me from the sermon which i've been really dwelling on so much was he he talked about different reasons that people get discouraged mm-hmm. in life and that in so many ways the people of god in the time of zechariah had a lot of reasons to be discouraged the people around them were th- threatening they were greater than the Israelites were the Israelites were economically and socially and militarily in every way they were nobodies and they were not making any progress out of that in this and and then and this is the passage where probably the most famous part of Zechariah is which if you would have asked me this before I heard the sermon, I would have not have said, oh yeah, this is the most famous part of Zechariah. So I'm saying this out of something I just learned, not out of something that I, this fountain Dwell of knowledge that I have. Music, yeah. But he, he says, the Lord says, do not despise the day of small things. And uh, our pastor spent quite a bit of time contemplating if... What does it look like for us in our day and age to despise the day of small things? Which is essentially, do you despise the way that God chooses to work mm-hmm. on an ordinary basis? Because God isn't normally doing these big, loud, flashy things. God is choosing nobodies. He's choosing sinners. He's choosing, you know, the Rahabs, the Abrahams. You know, even the Davids, well, yeah, David was the small, so small and insignificant. His dad didn't even think to bring him to the choosing of the key, you know, of the king from his sons. And then David sins horribly. And just on and on and on, um, the Lord not only does not despise the day of small things, the Lord chooses to work in small things all the time. And that's our lives. We don't have big, flashy things going on in our lives we also and this is where i i don't know if it's the well i think it's both hands so the word of the lord is living and active sharper than any two-edged sword and also always accomplishes that which the lord desires to do when his word goes out right so the brilliance and i like this sounds like this is an understatement the brilliance of god's word (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, just the absolute power of God's word combined with a skilled and godly preacher is that you come away with your brain brimming with applications that he didn't have to explicitly put forth in the sermon. And I've been thinking a lot about the American church today. And we're, I think we talked last week, uh, yeah, we did, about the the friend of mine whose pastor was posting about the way that what's happening in Israel right now is fulfilling all of these different prophecies. And it's just so exciting. She's on the edge of her seat for this. Can't wait for part two of the sermon. And I'm thinking about her posting this, and I'm thinking about our pastor saying, God is a God of small things. 
Like, mm-hmm. like don't move into the scintillating and despise the little ways that God is working. And the human heart, I think, is just drawn into, we're, we're drawn, we're attracted to flashy people, to people that, you know, will act the hero, to people that, you know, are building the Tower of Babel, and to people that that we think can save us, because we actually do not love and lean into the way that God is actually working in the world today and in our hearts. And, you know, so I, I was thinking about about that. I was thinking about um, the, um, just the, the American church today. We have been accustomed to being in a place of economic influence and of cultural power for so many generations that it's, shocking and stunning and scary to us to think about losing all of that. Mm-hmm. And I think it's quite fair to say, despite what critical theory would tell you, that American Christians no longer hold sway <laughs> culturally. And you know, and and that puts us in a position of fear and discouragement rather than of going, oh, this is actually the way that God has normally worked throughout history. And uh, you know, and so I just running through this kind of I've had the just the thought all week of where am I prone to experience discouragement or fear in my life that is really similar to what the situation of the Israelites was during the time of Zechariah, which is uh, social social uncertainty and being small, military uncertainty, <laughs> economic uncertainty. You know, it, as we're looking at, you know, just inflation continuing to balloon and the Israel conflict is not going away. And does China have ships going there or not? Uh, you know, the, China does have ships in the area, but supposedly they're there for joint training exercises with... Uh, standard joint training exercises rather than China's going to move in and support Iran and all that, you know, and uh, I could go on and on about ways that if you doom scroll (laughs) Is that a new term? You've never heard of doom Doom scrolling? scrolling? No! Oh yeah! (laughs) That's hilarious! (laughs) I didn't come up with that. So so the the need to set our minds apart really jumped out at me because sometime I, I don't I wasn't doom scrolling I was just like brain dead scrolling but there's this really oh, popular homeschool is that one word or two probably one <laughs> there's so there's this really popular uh, homeschool guru that I follow on Instagram and I've heard her speak live at the Wild and Free conference that I went to and she's absolutely not a Christian. If you hear her story, she was divorced when her five kids were young and was not cared for well in the fundamentalist community that she was a part of and I don't know the reason for her divorce. I don't know what happened to her kids' dad, but she has you, when when I went to that Wild and Free conference with 
your sister and our sister-in-law, we came away with a lot to discuss about this gal's talk in good ways and in challenging ways. But she said some things that were uh, digs at the Christian worldview, but subtle enough that you were like, oh, she's just challenging me to think outside the box or to not, you know, assume things about my kids or whatever. And then we went away and we're like, no, 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 she's actually dismantling God-given parental authority over their kids. But but she says it, she says these things in such a way that she's still very welcome in Christian, predominantly Christian homeschool communities. And if you're wondering, it's Julie, it actually was on her Instagram. Her name is, her last name is Sweeney now, so she must have remarried, uh, I obviously don't know a ton about her personal life, but on her book, which I really like, The Brave Learner, her the the name of her as an author is Julie Bogart, and that's the name that I knew her by. But all of that to say, a couple of days ago, sometime over the weekend, I'm scrolling Instagram, and she has a black... Do you remember when when you turned your square black for Black Lives Matter yeah. day. So she has this black square with a little bit of white writing in it, and then there's a couple more slides. And basically, what she said was, I am so distraught at Israel's unethical, over-the-top response to these poor, suffering Palestinians that I can't do anything else. And if you two are like this, she not in these words, give yourself some grace and just dive into your grief and your angst. And if you need to put homeschooling on hold on account of your grief, that's fine. You know, feel your feelings. They're just, you are on the side of justice. And, you know, just so you know, you're not alone and... Um, you know, it's okay to not be able to do all the thing, to have the mental and emotional capacity to do all the things in a time of such great angst and emotional fraughtness and legitimate grief. And I'm, I'm saying this in a paraphrase because I went back a few days later after I had this like thought worm where I just kept thinking about the contrast between my musings on Zachariah's fifth vision and her like, no, 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 just give in. I mean, it was almost like Phantom of the Opera, like give in to the, you know, the discouragement and your feelings on this. And she had deleted the post. And I was like, oh, maybe I, maybe she has another, like an official account or something. I looked on her Facebook. Give in to your feelings, Luke. And she had deleted the post. I don't know why. There was no, like, backpedaling or explanation or anything. Maybe she just got all this hate from Christians I, I who are like, Zionists. I feel like people who go through that angst about things like that need... Like, we need, they'd never handle a world war. They wouldn't know what you, to do with themselves. I, you're not using the right tense there, quite frankly. not They would not. They will not. They will not. Yeah, they will not handle a world war. They need the world war no, 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 to help but, reframe their no, no. thinking. Here's the thing, though. Okay, I am not convinced if you study world history, you know, World War One was coming out of the Enlightenment. And where did I hear this? Oh, it was in, um, 
Brian Clark's sermon at Trinity mm-hmm. when we were there over Revelation, yeah. you know, his sermon on Revelation, um, which I think we linked a couple of episodes back. It was when we were back from coming back from our Labor Day trip and worshipped in Bozeman. Uh, but the coming out of the Enlightenment and the Industrial Revolution, there were a great number. The predominant sense of the age was... We have come so far. Mm -hmm. Our progress is now unstoppable. The, you know, humanism was at its peak in terms of believing the best about humanity. And they literally believed that science would fix all human problems, including strife and war. Wait, are you talking about 1900 or... 2020. <laughs> right. I mean, this is where history history Technology doesn't re- will history doesn't us. repeat itself, but you sure as you need to know history. It's thematic. Yeah, because the human heart is the same in all of it. You know, I I'm pretty sure that Rome at one point thought that there were going to be no more wars because they were the best thing that had ever happened to civilization. And if they could just, you know, bring what was good to, I mean, this was part of the British Empire, too. Like, one of the reasons that the British Empire felt a need to uh, colonize was they felt like they had a better civilization and would bring in a better world if they could spread their civilization to other parts of the world. So here we are, Industrial Revolution. The number of people who had devastating crises of thought and of spirit when not only did science not fix all the things, including war, science actually made for more deadly wars. Because now it's not just a spear killing one person at a time or a gun killing one person at a time. I mean, it's not just nuking. It's all the chemical weapons. Mm -hmm. It's, I mean, like the 20th century was by far the most deadly century ever in human history and we owe a lot of that well to marxism and to science both of which were 20th century creations and and so again i think there's a lot of we think too highly of ourselves and by we i mean the western culture in general and so we think that we have fixes for things and it is extra devastating to the bigger they are the harder they fall you know pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall and so i i think that people who don't have an appropriate understanding of human depravity are especially uh broken when faced with how incredibly horrible humankind can be i feel compassion sometimes for those people and then other times i'm like you just need to like like, it's just, a, you need to experience it just to change your shape, reshape your head. Yeah. I mean, I mean, once truly, I mean, you don't want to wish that on somebody, but it's well, like, the, come the on. problem is it's a collective experience, though. We're not, we're not wishing that on them. Like, we will all collectively experience, yeah. I believe, in the near future, a tremendous well, you're degree agonizing of agonizing over inconsequential But, stuff. but yeah, there are for sure people who, and this is again, you know, what God does. You get your head really big and all of a sudden you're like Nebuchadnezzar eating grass like a cow for eight years. Um, God does not 
take it lightly when people think more highly of themselves than they ought in such an extreme way. I mean, it doesn't take it lightly when any of us do, because that's sin, right? That's Adam and Eve in the garden, very fundamentally. But, um, but I think that having this uh, godless view of the world and then having to face brokenness leads to a special kind of discouragement that um, there really there really is no cure for. Because if humanity you thought was so good and is also the problem, uh, that that same humanity that is the problem cannot also be the cure. Um, anyway, uh, JR listened the, the way our church does the sermons on our website is they post YouTube videos and that drove him nuts. So he did some digging and they are on Spotify. <laughs> so if you're a Spotify person, you can dig them up. Um, no, I don't dig them up. I'll link it in the show notes. Okay. That's what I meant. No, well, I you're didn't. doing my job right now, right? I, I spool you up, you carry on, and then I just fill in okay. details and add color. You play by play. You're... <laughs> I'm the color, and you're the play by play. Or it would be the other way around. I'm the color, you're the play by play. Yeah, that's more yeah. like it. You guys, because of the bitter cold, Billings had freezing rain last night that has still made the roads horrible to drive on. Billings doesn't get freezing rain very often. Uh, our church tonight was canceled, which was very disappointing to the kids because church tonight was supposed to be it's it's called the missions wax museum and the kids who were in the children's program we study missionaries southern baptist missionaries year-round and uh, the kids choose one of the ones that we've studied and learned about and prayed for and they memorize some facts about them as well as a bio, a key bible verse related to missions or something that the uh, that the missionaries do and then you drop a piece of candy in front of the kids or they make a poster you drop a piece of candy and they come alive like a wax statue and then tell you something about the missionary that they're representing and they go back into frozen state until another adult comes along and feeds the machine with candy to make them come alive for more facts that was supposed to be tonight it was very disappointing to the kids to not be getting all those piles of candy and instead have to stay at home because the roads were perilously icy. But um, JR, we were texted as a group of the children's teachers that it had been canceled. And JR started trolling in his responses and nobody else responded. I wasn't. I, I, was, I was trying to make, you know, these just funny comments about being gracious and sacrificial love of a husband and all this stuff around some cookies that I've. Molly was making a joke that I wouldn't get, and like just nobody responded. Crickets. <laughs> I was like, and it's like one of those maybe, going back. To, maybe you should. I'm. I am not where what? Jr. is. He keeps sending these texts, and I'm like, maybe you should stop now. <laughs> You're digging yourself and deeper. No, part of me wa just wants to kind of wants to keep doing it. Like oh my I just gosh, don't. I, I was like. Uh, I need to stop, but I like. So then I ended up with a meme of like one of the guys from the office turning around and winking, and Which it's I like totally didn't get. 
Like, I don't understand the context of that. Well, I was responding to. Um, she said to it's so lady. very it's so very good of you to oh. to. Uh, what what'd she say? She said it's. Uh, uh, she's like you are so noble. You know, but I said, well, I'm going to practice sacrificial love and put my sinful desires for said cookies to death. Hashtag husbandry. And she said, well, you were so noble. And that's when I turned around and made the winky, the winky uh, gift. Um, yes. But speaking of, of that, you guys, we, uh, Molly had, uh, we were going over some church history. Molly can probably tell you the story, but we watched just a wonderful two episodes of Tim Challies's epic church history documentary series. And he's not saying that it's epic. He's saying it's that's the title of it. Epic. And I think he called it epic because he traveled the world for several so he's months. Doing, he's doing an epic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you you're looking at me like you expect me to say. Oh, uh, you, you had well. I was just. Oh. I, yeah, so, I soft pitched you like Molly could probably tell you more about like why we're watching this. Yes. But I highly commend it to you, and I'll link this in the show notes as well. So the reason we picked it up, my mom, I knew my mom had bought it because uh, Chally's was promoting it pretty heavily right after he produced it. And he, I, in our Telegram channel, somebody had asked for recommendations for studying uh, biblical history and theology as well as church history a little bit more just to have a better understanding of, of that. And I had asked my mom if I could borrow it just so we could, I could get a sense on if I would recommend this to this particular person and just in general. So yeah, we watched two episodes of it tonight out of, I don't know how many episodes there are total. There's two DVDs. 12 episodes maybe? Yeah. Seems, seems about right. Six uh, per DVD? I, I would recommend it with, it's fun, it's interesting, it's, I mean... Everybody, but well, I wouldn't say Elise enjoyed it. Elise stuck with it. Elise is Elise, though. She's she's eight. So well, I think age wise, uh, our eleven and twelve, almost thirteen year olds were really interested by it, and there were a lot of hooks of things that we've talked about in mm-hmm. school over George the years. George Mueller, yeah, you guys go way back to the beginning of this podcast. Literally, like some of our first like few num- episodes, maybe episode two or three was yeah. on George Mueller. Uh huh. And so Charlie's in England visits Mueller's orphanage, and that was actually a super fascinating. He has uh, much more recently in the podcast episode series. He had a. A mention of George Whitfield. I know we've talked about that on the podcast. Yeah, he just briefly the mentions stuff you Whitfield, were teaching, you were working but the a lot on the Wesleys that he he talks about in it. So my only caveat is you have to know a quite a bit about church history before you watch it because he doesn't give. He assumes that you know a lot, and he says at the beginning. I read voraciously as a kid and as an adult about church history, and these are things that have that fascinated me for for years, probably for decades. And so we, you know, I we paused it a lot so I could fill in blanks or jog the kids' memory on things. Or you know, he's standing in front of John Bunyan's gravestone and the kids are like I don't know who that is and so it's like pause okay remember we read the book Little Pilgrim's Big Journey and Christian has the you know oh yeah 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 you know we get to Mueller you know we've got to pause this do you remember the guy who and I we have to fill in things but 
Um, you know, I, I think that unless you had read a biography about Mueller or knew much about him, that whole section True. would not have been particularly yeah. meaningful. He did bring, he did have some stuff, like he brought up, I mean, he was seeking out some stuff that I'd never, and I thought I was pretty well versed in church history. He had some stuff in there that I'd never yeah, even, I was I, like, Yeah, I learned Whoa, new what? things. Sweet, cool. Stuff. Yeah. Um, one of the more interesting ones to me was he was in, so he goes to, if you guys, to give you a little, a understanding of what he's doing he's looking for objects that will help flesh out the story of church history so he starts in jerusalem and he goes to a museum and he finds a chunk of the original temple that's engraved with a warning for gentiles to keep out because the you know enter at your own risk basically this is a you know, by God's design, this there is was CYA area. stuff way back then. <laughs> and so, and so he he says, you know, what's what's so cool is this proves things of this is a chunk from the original temple proves this, but also the the current biblical application of this is so cool because I'm a Gentile and I have access to God's presence all the time. So there's a there's a contrast of him being the temple of the Holy Spirit right there with the Holy Spirit, God, you know, God dwelling in him, standing next to a stone from Solomon's temple saying, Gentiles keep out, God might strike you dead. So I don't know what it exactly is said, but something, you know, so he, he has these artifacts, some of which he goes looking for because he knows they exist, and some of which he just spends time going through museums. So he's in a museum in Rome, and Lily, with all the art and stuff in Rome, was just like, I need to go there. I need to go there. <laughs> <laughs> and it it really is. It, she was like, is this where David is? The statue of David? And I'm, I don't know. As I Google it, no, David's in Florence. But Michelangelo also created the Pietà, which is in St. Peter's Basilica. But And Lily, if we go to Rome, we'll just do a big circuit. So also, we'll one, of the, one of the things that I didn't love about the epic show is it's just him and a videographer, right? And they're not big names, so they don't have permission to film in a lot of these places. So he he will come out from he'll be like, So I was just in the in the British Library mm-hmm. and I saw and he rattles off all this stuff like a Gutenberg Bible and this and Cranmer's Bible and da 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 he rattled off like five or six things in a row that he had seen in there, but then he doesn't really give you anything about it and you also don't see it probably because he didn't have permission to film in there but there was one he was at the jesuit headquarters the jesuit the jesuit order Mm -hmm. he's at the headquarters looking at something else and he said he turned around and saw was this the one where he turned around he wasn't expecting it he saw mary yes yeah the statue of mary (laughs) that was wild with a cross (laughs) in her hand condemning two men to hell and there's a serpent wrapped between the two men the two books they had in their hands underneath them if you look closely were john calvin and martin luther <laughs> so so essentially he's saying this he, he had is, no idea it was there <laughs> and and he said this is the roman catholics representation of condemning calvin and luther as heretics and you know because the catholic church holds the case to the kingdom you know the catholic church represented by mary in this and 
Was there was something else interesting? Was there a baby with Mary, and that's I can't Jesus? Remember. Yeah, I can't remember. Um, you know, she's so many interesting. Anyway, things. it yeah, I've I've never heard of that statue before. No. So it must not be necessarily carved by a big name that you know you would go seek it out. Um, but yeah, that took some explanation for the kids. And we're also approaching Reformation Day. My mom was a little bit horrified today. She mentioned Martin Luther to Elise and Elise goes, who's Martin Luther? And my mom's like texting me like, you have some work to do in the next couple of days before the Reformation Day. And I'm like, this, this is why we do little bits of the Reformation every year. But, you know, trying to explain to, and then, but there are a lot of key moments in church history. That is one. And I mean, it's a yeah, it's a real significant yeah. one. That we, just a little bit. That fortunately we have an annual celebration of, and, and so for we get to... our um, for our now Baptist uh, compatriots, he visits uh, Loweth. Is how he said it. I Loweth. Uh, Loweth. Uh, I can't remember how he said the it. The Loweth, not Mission House. The Loweth. Um, it was a church. Yeah, but it was called um, Public House Loweth. I was. I knew it was going to come up. I knew it was, I figured I was going to mention the show, so I tried to remember it. But it was one of the first known, uh, first known um, uh, Baptist Baptist church gatherings. And they they because they were this on, it was in a secluded area that was forested at the time. Yeah, so they could nobody knew it was there. They could hide out, kind of worship as they needed to without persecution, and. Um, it ended up getting cleared, and then it suddenly became quite prominent in this location. Yeah, it's this, it's a, it looks like a giant stone cottage. It's very cool. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, sorry, that was, I'm butchering the name. It's um, I, I can't. Yeah, it started with community like, hall um, or mission. Uh, not not mission. Uh, Loweth. Low. It's not even Loweth. It's it's a. Uh, it's one of those weird British words. L o u g h. It's actually yeah, sort of like Worcestershire. Yeah, Worcestershire, Worcestershire, Worcestershire sauce. Worcestershire sauce. Um, yeah. So anyway, um, yeah. So that was it. Was it was a fun show to watch, and I'm glad we watched it with the kids because at least Faith was working on her headstands off of the couch and kept kicking. Because she was five. Yeah, she she was totally zoned out. Elise was had really gotten her hopes up when I said we were going to watch something tonight since church was canceled. She'd gotten her hopes up that we were going to be watching Star Wars something <laughs> Andor. or other. We're working through Andor right now. And uh, so she was a little bit disappointed, well, more than a little bit. Uh, but Titus and Lee, they were really into it. So I She was like content gonna... to sit in my lap there towards the end. Good. So, so was that. Okay, guys, we're about at somewhere near 45 minutes to 50 minutes an hour or whatever. Um... I'll include some of these links in the show notes. Uh, the pumpkin chili recipe. If you guys need an Instant Pot and you haven't purchased one yet, I'm going to include a, an Amazon Associates link for an Instant Pot because why not? Um, well, I mean, it, it is great. I, so the reason Jared is saying that is because when you're making chili, you brown the meat and then you slow cook it for a long time. And so an Instant Pot is great because it has the saute function and you can brown the meat and then you can add all of the other ingredients and put the lid on and slow cook it for the rest of the day without having to get multiple pots dirty. Right. So the point is, I'll include all these links in the show notes, the chimichales and stuff, um, and everything in the show notes for you guys. Uh, and would you recommend The Brave Learner as a read? Or I would, would you recommend like... it as, as a book. Yeah, okay. as so a read. We'll, I did we'll it on audio book, and it's great 
to encourage a homeschool mom who maybe feels like the box that she's trying to work within Mm -hmm. is not working really well or you get discouraged and uh, she's great at saying there's all sorts of ways to actually really excel at learning outside the box. And... Oh, yeah. Truth. Um, And before I finish closing the show, Molly is holding... We need to, maybe for the next couple of shows, let people know, because people miss things, that you're doing an on... You're putting together an online Box group. Yep. We've talked about it for two episodes. We're going to be studying masculinity and femininity. Once we really get into things, we're going to have a couple of foundational sessions first. And... Uh, I've had a number of you contact me now, which is exciting. It's going to be a super fun group, I think. Uh, Looking at starting probably November 14th and doing Tuesday afternoons. And if I have not emailed you that before this episode airs, I'm sorry that you're getting that news this way. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not the most on top of daily life person. Hopefully now that um, I, I have one more major project to do in terms of like gardening like getting transferred into winter mode which is i have to clean and organize the freezer to store all of the elk that jr brought home and one whole elk was butchered today and it's sitting 140 we mixed in some pork loin into the sausage and we also mixed in some uh, beef and pork fat. So we have a total of like 143 pounds of meat that we've got to put in the freezer. And uh, fortunately, it is about 17 degrees outside right now. Uh, so I don't have to have that meat in the freezer right now. I have I have myself a couple of days uh, <laughs> where yeah. the meat can flash freeze outside and be okay. Uh, we also saved some bones that still had chunks of meat on them for the chickens which sounds really weird to say but this is like standard practice for pasture raised free range really healthy chickens is they apparently love cleaning the meat off of bones and so we've got a couple of bones saved that uh the dog discovered because they were just again it's it in is, a bucket it is in the driveway freezer temperatures right now so we're not in a rush to get things into the freezer and maui went outside and i was like you know usually when it's below 20 degrees he does his duty and then comes right back in and something happened to that dog and <laughs> uh, 10 minutes later i'm like something happened to our dog so i'm gearing up to go outside and track him through the snow looking for him and the minute i set foot outside i was like Ding! I know exactly where he is. <laughs> so the bones are now in an unheated shed that um, he can't get into. But he still he has that muscle memory now, and he's going to go outside to where they were. Yeah. For the next anyway. Um, memory. All that to say, I'm not super on top of things, and uh, but hopefully I will have established a time in a day once a month study. Maybe an hour, hour and a half of pre-reading and then an hour on a phone call with me. And uh, so far, I've invited a handful of other ladies, but so far it's all Too Busy to Flush listener ladies. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. So anyway, uh, shoot us a postcard or if you have a text number for us, yes, uh, shoot us a text and uh, let us let me know. 
if you'd like an invite to that. Yes, and the best way to get a hold of us for those things is, again, she mentioned the postcard, toobusytoflush.com or tb2f.com. Scroll down, there's a, there's a send us a postcard option. You can also email us at tb2f at pm.me, papamike.me, or you can do, we haven't mentioned this in the show at all this week, but you can do what a lot of our listeners love to do, and that's to join our private Telegram chat group where you can interact with us and all the other listeners, or as people have been calling them, flushies, flushers. That's I, that's um that's a spouse. I don't think it's a term. <laughs> flush. Well, I've heard flushy and flusher, so you can you can hook up with the other people who flush, who are too busy to flush, um, on the planet there, uh, on our Telegram group. That link will also be in the show notes and any other pertinent links that we have mentioned throughout the show. Um, that said, we are a weekly podcast, so we will try to, we are not, um, we try to be consistently weekly, but not necessarily on a given day. So you'll want to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. And while you're over at one of those podcast platforms, please leave us a review. Those reviews do a ton for our rankings and get us in front of people. Um, but the biggest compliment you can give us other than telling me that I'm good looking and have a beautiful voice and molly is super intelligent is to share our show with your friends so refer us to your friends let them know you love listening to us um that'd be absolutely huge so that said uh thanks for joining us and we will talk to you next week